We're going to stop for a coffee break real quick because you know how much your girl coach Chelsea loves her cup of joe in the morning. So just imagine how you could help starving children with making your morning coffee. I want to introduce you to the sponsorship for this episode, Free Lunch Coffee. They're a mission to end hunger from the lives of young children. When you buy just one bag of free lunch coffee, you are providing 10 meals to children in need. They also offer a 100% money back guarantee for 30 days if you don't absolutely love their product. This is an amazing episode that allows you to recognize servant leadership. So what greatest way to serve than to help those in need? Free Lunch Coffee is now offering a 15% discount to the loyal listeners of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. So check it out at freelunchcoffee.com. Use the coupon code SERVANTLEADER and check out for your discount of your coffee, your mug to save helping and hungry children. Thanks for listening. All right. So I guess just a quick background on myself. Uh, I'm Joel Harrison. Um, I was born in Okinawa, Japan, to a military family. I moved to Montgomery, Alabama when I was two years old. I uh, grew up here, uh, you know, all the way through high school. I actually went to Faulkner, where I coach now through from, uh, from my undergrad. I uh, was a student manager for our men's basketball team at Faulkner, so I didn't actually play, but I was a student manager and kind of got my start in coaching that way. Um, when I graduated Faulkner, I was fortunate enough to have developed a relationship with our women's coach that I work for now uh, through my time there. And uh, he hired me on as a GA. I graduated in 2016 uh, with a bachelor's in sports management. Uh, he hired me uh, on as a GA. I was a GA for one year. Uh, our full-time assistant left, and I was promoted to our uh, full-time assistant spot the following year. And I just finished my second year in that role. Um, so Faulkner, you know, NAI school, small school. We got about 3,500 students. Uh, we are a Christian-based school, um, Church of Christ faith. Uh, I'm not actually Church of Christ myself, but that's, you know, the religious affiliation of our school. And um, so, yeah, so um, the topic for today, and I, I felt this one personally because I felt like in, in my situation, and more specifically coaching uh, young women, this is something that I live really on a daily basis. Um, just, you know, the idea of how our players' value is not based on their performance um, on the playing field or court. And like I said, I really felt this one and I really feel like I can relate to this. And I'm sure all of you guys can too, you know, in your coaching field, really regardless of what sport you coach, whether you coach uh, men, women, regardless, I think we can all uh, relate to this topic. Um, in today's coaching, in today's world, I feel like this really is more of a challenge uh, than it's ever been. I really do. Uh, and I'm sorry if I look down, I've got notes. So I, I apologize for that in advance, but um, I know, like I said, I know for myself, being on the women's side in the coaching world, this is definitely a challenge for myself. And, um, you know, I, I have conversations with my players all the time about this very subject. And I, I just kind of noted a few reasons why I feel like this has become such a challenge. Um, I think the first one is really just social media and how, like, social media has really, like, blown up um, in a way. And I, I love social media. I use it often. Um, I feel like if it's used in the right way, it can really be a tool. Obviously, you know, we're all on social media and, and doing great things with it. But um, I think the one thing I dislike about social media is how it can um, portray a false picture of what success looks like. And I think so often that uh, kids in today's world, 
you know, get so caught up in that because they see all the flash and the fancy this and the fancy that, but not understanding, like, not everybody that's portraying that stuff on social media actually has that. And I think it's easy to get kind of caught up in that and to really start to question yourself, well, and, you know, and fall into the trap of comparison. Well, you know, they're doing this and they're doing that, but I don't have access to this, which, you know, can lead down the path of I'm not worthy or self-doubt or all those things that kind of creep in uh, for kids. And I really think that's one reason why uh, social media kind of contributes to this idea of, uh, you know, lack of self-worth, I guess, for a better term. Um, and especially in today's sports culture, um, I mean, every time you look on, you know, social media, you see how many offers kids have, you see highlights, you see stats, um, you know, AAU, you know, you see all these things that are flashing to your face. And um, I, I think another thing, like what kids don't realize also is like, uh, well, one, the work that they put in to get those offers, but two, not also understanding that highlights aren't always what they are you know played out to be like obviously like, like your highlights are your best plays so you can tell a lot from the kids highlights by if they can play or not but on the flip side of that you can also if for somebody that can't play a league you can make yourself look like Michael Jordan by taking the best plays that you've ever had putting them together and kind of creating this uh this false picture so um I think that's another reason why um you know and I, and I think another reason why that is too is just um you know people giving kids a false uh, sense of, um, I guess, confidence, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, I mean, there's so many people today, and, and not to, um, you know, talk down on, like, AAU coaches or amateur coaches or anything like that, because I actually coach AAU, so I love it, and I feel like it's a great platform and everything like that. But you got, I mean, so many, like, AAU coaches and parents out here telling these kids that they're the next big thing when these kids can't play a league. So, I mean, instead of like, you know, being honest with the kid and telling them, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and this and that, you know, they're boosting these kids up. And um, I mean, I get emails about kids all the day that are, you know, gonna come in and change my program. And then I pull up the film and I mean, they're like the worst kid I've ever seen. And I'm just like, well, why are you sitting here and, you know, painting this picture for this child instead of trying to help them and, you know, help improve them and giving them those hard truths. and just tell them like, hey, you know, if you improve in these areas or if you do this thing, do that thing, you can get to where you want to be. But I think so many people fall into the trap of trying to live out their dreams through their kids that they'll just tell them whatever they want to hear uh, and thinking that in some way it helps them when it really doesn't. Um, you know, at Faulkner, we have, uh, we're kind of unique because as an NAI school, we actually have, we have our varsity team and then we actually have a JV team, which I also coach. And um, actually an example of this, I literally just dealt with like two days ago. So a girl that I've got coming in uh, for our JV team next year, uh, she texted me. She was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to come. I've committed to you guys. My local paper wants to do a write-up on me. And I was like, you know, that's awesome. Like, send me the write-up, this and that. And then, like, she sends me the article. And uh, so she went to a really small private school. Her team was not very good at all. She's the best player on her team. But she's a JV-level player for us. And um, she was just kind of like, uh, you know, I only averaged like 11 points a game this year as a senior. Like, do you think that's not very impressive to the outside? And I'm just like, well, I mean, well, why do you think that? Like, first off, you don't realize how many kids don't do that. And on the flip side of that, like, I mean, you should be proud of, you know, the work you put in and the things that you were able to accomplish in this year. And if that's the ultimately, if that's the best you could give, then you should be proud of that. You shouldn't look down on that. And, 
uh, you shouldn't frown on that. And I, I think that's just an example of kind of, I don't know what she kind of had in her mind as to why that wasn't good enough, but somewhere down the line, somebody may have painted a picture to make her believe that, you know, her best wasn't good enough ultimately. So I think that's another example. Um, and then, and, um, let me see. And then too, like another example I can think of, like um, before all this coronavirus stuff, I was actually uh, gonna coach a, a sixth grade girls AAU team. And we had tryouts and like, the, it was a girl, she was like sixth grade, but she was probably like 5'10", girl is like huge and this and that. And then she comes in with her dad and the first thing she does with her dad is start shooting threes, shooting threes. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, you know, dad trying to paint a picture of the next, you know, whatever, and not, you know, giving her the self truth. She needs to be down there on that block. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'll give her a chance. Like, you know, maybe she can do this, do that. You know, we let them run up and down a little bit and she misses five layups. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, I don't blame that so much on the kid. I just blame that on, you know, like the dad not, you know, catering to her strengths and telling her like, hey, if you if you focus on these areas, the fundamentals, this and that, like ultimately, like it'll get you to where you want to be. But I just think that's another example of kind of where we are in today's uh, sports culture, you know, and um and then another uh, area that I deal with directly, you know, especially like coaching young women and uh, society as a whole is just kind of painting this picture of what I guess the, the successful woman or what the, perf the perfect woman, you know, looks like. And I think so many young women, you know, fall in that trap as well as just, you know, fall into, you know, the trap of comparison and, you know, lack of self-worth and lack of confidence and the insecurities and, uh, you know, all that stuff that I'm sure all you guys know about. Um, and this goes, you know, both guys and girls, but I mean, I deal with 30 girls every day. So that's kind of where my mind is. So, um, so some, just some things that I've kind of done to help my players in this area. Uh, I think, well, first off, I just think the biggest misconception about our small Christian school is that all of our girls are perfect Christians that don't have any issues. And I think that's the furthest thing from the truth. Cause I mean, um, Yes, our girls probably have a stronger faith foundation than most, but first off, it's not all of them. You know, all of them are in different walks. And second, like they have their issues just like everybody else. So I deal with, you know, just as many issues, you know, as anybody else. And like, we actually don't have a female on our staff. So I get all the boyfriend talks, all the emotional talks, like I get all that. So they don't go to the head coach, they come to me. So, um, but I think, uh, uh, one thing that we've really done in our program to kind of help this, you know, and kind of get out in front of it is I, I think it really begins in the recruiting process. Um, you know, just establishing that relationship with a player and their family up front um, and building that trust. So when they come to you and, you know, you have those adverse situations where, you know, a kid comes in and maybe doesn't pan out the way that you thought they might and they're not playing as much, um, you know, they're a little more understanding when you have to, you know, sit them or they're not playing as much or, you're able to go to them and explain why, you know, okay, you know, maybe you're a little not as far along as we thought, but you know, if you'll hang in there with us, we can get you to that point. But I just think building that trust through their recruiting process is really everything. And I, I think another um, something to go along with that is just uh, not selling the kid a dream, like in the recruiting process, like the only promise we ever make kids that come into our program is that we'll take care of them and that we'll provide them the resources to succeed. Like we never promise practice, uh, playing time. 
We never promised, you know, status or anything uh, because I, I just feel like that's not fair because I, I think, um, and I mean, it's, it's happened to everybody, even at the high school level, amateur level, whatever. You have a kid that you think, oh, this kid is going to be all this, all that, and then they get there and they don't pan out. Well, if I've promised this kid, you know, they're going to be my starting point guard, they're going to be this, they're going to be all world, this and that, and they don't pan out. And then they're wondering, well, you told me I was going to be this, going to be that, and now I'm on the bench. Like, you know, that takes a hit on my credibility. So I think that's just important to be up front with them uh, and just tell them, like, you're going to have to earn everything you get. You know, if, if you earn that status, then, you know, great. But I'm not going to sit here and sell you a dream. Um, you know, you're just going to have to earn it. So I think that's something unique that uh, we really uh, put an emphasis on kind of in our program and the recruiting process. And, um, and, and, and in the moments that they come to me, you know, start to doubt themselves. Um, the first question that I always ask them, uh, you know, when, you know, after a game, maybe they didn't play as much as they should, or maybe their shots aren't falling, or maybe they're just struggling this and that. Um, and sorry for all the coaches that don't coach basketball, but I think this stuff applies to everybody. But um, when they come to me in those moments, the first question I always ask them is, uh, have you earned the right to feel that way? Have you put the work in? If your shot's not falling, are you getting extra shots up? If you're struggling in an area, if you're getting beat on defense, are you getting in the gym working on agility? Like, are you working on your weaknesses? Because ultimately, if you aren't, then this conversation is over because in my mind, you haven't really earned the right to, you know, I guess feel the way you're feeling if you haven't put the work in. Now on the flip side of that, if you are putting the work in and you're still struggling and that's a different conversation. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe you're doing something good, but if we tweak this, it could be a little better. Or maybe if we just make this one adjustment, we, you know, we give you a better uh, chance to be more productive and this and that. But um, I think ultimately, um, you know, whether kids are playing 40 minutes a game or playing zero or, you know, playing four quarters in a football game or none at all, uh, kids definitely need to know that they can always bring something to the team. There's always something positive they can bring to the group. I tell our kids all the time, if, you, if you're on full scholarship and you're not playing a second, you better be the biggest cheerleader and tile waver on the end of the bench. Because ultimately, I mean, you might not be playing, but I mean, it's $30,000 to go to our school. So you're getting a $30,000 $30, education paid for. I mean, that alone, you should be <laughs> waving a towel and be grateful for. So, um, and even for our, you know, for our big dogs, like, I mean, you know, don't be selfish and, you know, don't separate yourself from the group. From the group. You should be just as big of a cheerleader and encouragement for those guys at the end of the bench as they are for you. So I think that stuff goes um, goes both ways, and then um, and then in those moments of adversity, you know, you know, coaches and players get into it sometimes. Sometimes we might jump down a player's back, uh, you know, this and that. I think something that we always do and really pride ourselves on is we always circle back around to the player and try to help them understand, you know, why we made the decision that we made, or you know, what we we're trying to get them to understand in that moment. And I understand, like, in the heat of a moment, sometimes it's just, like, shut up and do it, and we can talk about it later. But I think it's always important, like, on the back end to go and explain, like, okay, you know, well, this is why I made that adjustment. or Because ultimately, if they know, if they understand the why, I think that just builds more trust, uh, you know, down the line. Because if you're, you know, one of those co coaches that's just kind of like, well, because I said so and this and that, like, I mean, ultimately, you are the coach, and you can say that, but I think that, like I said, if you are open and, you know, willing to explain those things, 
I think it just builds uh, more trust um, with the player down the line for those for those tough moments. Um, let's see. And then uh, my next point was, I just think, uh, what are some things that we as coaches can do to push uh, this message to them? Um, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but I said uh, establish relationships with them. Uh, be as close with your end of the bench guys as you are with your stars. I know that was a personal uh, challenge for myself. Um, two years ago, when I first took the assistant job, um, you know, just being new in it, not really truly understanding, you know, just kind of, you know, figuring out as it went, I found myself just quite naturally uh, kind of just being around like my, my big guns all the time. But, you know, not understanding that, hey, those guys at the end of the bench, they need me just as much as, you know, my, my big dogs do. And um, just understanding, like, uh, I mean, whether they score 40 points a game or zero, they're all as equally important. And, I mean, you should be there for them all equally because ultimately as, as a coach, that's what we're here to do. And that was a huge challenge for myself. And I think that's something that I really focused on and have improved on uh, in this last year because – I mean, not to sound mean, but it's just kind of one of those like out of sight, out of mind type things. Like, you know, you see your big dogs all the time, but, you know, it's easy to kind of overlook that, you know, 14th, 15th guy on the bench or maybe that third string, you know, quarterback that to walk on and not getting any money or it's kind of easy to overlook those guys, but uh, they need us just as much as, you know, our big guns do. And I think that's a challenge for all of us to keep in mind. Um, like Coach Aaron talked about yesterday, uh, just giving those words of affirmation. I think that's so important. Like, I really try to go out of my way uh, to do that for our, uh, for our young women. And, um, you know, ultimately we, we try as much as we can to just tell them we love them, tell them we care about them, you know, as people first. Um, obviously we're, we're all here to win games, we're competitive. And, you know, as coaches, our jobs really rely on that. But, um, I mean, they're people first and, and they should know that and they should feel that and that should be genuine. That shouldn't just be, you know, something to say to sound nice. I mean, we literally tell our players like, I mean, if you, you know, blew out your knee and had a career-ending injury, we don't love you any less because you can't play as you did when you were scoring, you know, 20 a game or whatever. Like, we love you as people first, and we care about you, and just giving those words of affirmation and just uh, breathing life into your players. That's so important. And uh, especially coaching young women, uh, that is, like, everything. Because, like I said, that is a, a constant uh, battle for myself and uh, for our head coach. Um, I think it's important also to talk about your players about things other than sports. Like I said, they need to know that ultimately you care about them. Um, you know, as people first outside of basketball. And I think the more um, just life conversations you can have with your players, that just continues to build trust with them. And um, so when the times get tough, they know like, Hey, you know, coach is getting on my case right now, but I know he cares about me and has my best interest in mind. So, um, you know, we'll, you know, maybe we might, you know, go to the cafeteria with the players or, you know, just invite them to the office to come talk or, you know, just call them or FaceTime them or whatever. But just those little things to try to go out of our way to really establish that relationship with them and let them know that, um, you know, we, we care about you outside of basketball and that's genuine. Um, ultimately, I think it's important to have fun with them. And I think sometimes that's easy to kind of overlook, especially when you get in the thick of a season and, you know, you got – three, four games in a week and you got practice, you got film, you got weights, you got all this stuff. And it's kind of easy to lose sight of, I mean, ultimately we, sh this should be a fun experience. Like we as coaches are, you know, their family away from home and even at the high school and, you know, grassroots levels, like, you know, your players are with 
you during the season, sometimes more than they're with their family. And especially at the college level, you know, being away from home, like, in a sense, we are their guardians. So ultimately, that should be a fun experience. And I think it's important for them for well, for the players and the coaches really to understand that. And, um, and, uh, and the last one I have is, uh, and this was a personal challenge for me, because I was bad at this, like, um, as a coach, sometimes you get so process oriented that you just forget sometimes to go out of your way to tell them when they've done something good. Like um, when I first uh, was promoted to the assistant job two two years ago, um, I was bad about, you know, a player would come over to the sideline like, hey, did you see I made this play, this and that? And I'm like, well, you were supposed to make that play. Like, but not understanding, like, you know, being encouraging in it, to them in that moment and not even not I was subconsciously downplaying him is what I was doing but I think it's important to and that goes kind of along the lines of you know breathing life into your players when they do something good tell them like go out of your way um because they need to know because ultimately that builds confidence and that builds trust and that just helps the whole uh situation uh moving forward and then uh that's pretty much all I have as far as that goes and then just a few things I have like some things that we do at Faulkner and we're kind of unique because we are a Christian school. So, I mean, all this stuff that we do is really encouraged. So we don't have some of the limitations that maybe like a secular school or something has, but uh, we actually have a team chaplain that's at like every practice, every game, like he's around us all the time. He's like a licensed counselor. So um, we have him around all the time as a, as a resource for our players and for us. Um, we have, uh, we, before practice, we'll get together and huddle and our head coach will kind of give, you know, like a maybe like a Bible verse or a word of encouragement or whatever to kind of get practice going on a, on a positive note. And then um, in our post-practice, uh, we have devos every day after practice that our chaplain um, kind of heads up. And I think that's kind of unique and really cool because, you know, we're able to you know, start practice on a positive note and then go to war for two hours or whatever and then kind of end on a positive note because we practice at like 530 in the morning. So it's a challenge. But um, I think it's important that that kind of really just starts your day on a positive note. And uh, that's something we do um, before every game. We have a devotional um, home games. Our chaplain will actually like invite like a guest speaker. Um, and then like on our road game, he doesn't travel. He's kind of old, but um, uh, on road games, we might get like a player or maybe a coach or something to do uh, our pregame devotional. And I think that's important because that kind of sets the, the tone and, just kind of gets everybody in the, in the right mindset before we, you know, go to battle in the game. Um, player meetings, text calls, like I said, we really go out of our way to, you know, do those things for our players. And like I said, make sure they know that we ultimately care about them outside of basketball. Um, we'll go to the calf with them and eat. And then ultimately we tell all of our players like open door policy. Like if you just want to come by and hang out and talk, like if you have a problem, like they know, like I'll drop everything. Like there's been plenty of times where, I'm like, man, we got a game in two days. I'm watching film. I'm working on the scouting report. And the player comes by the office with an issue. And we're in there talking for two, three hours. And I'm like, man, the day is over. And I haven't got anything done. But um, we're the type. We're put everything down because we feel like the player is most important in that moment. And as a coach, I'll adjust. I'll stay up all night. I'll do what I got to do. But um, if a player is struggling, they need to know that they've got uh, my support. So I just think those are some some things that we do in our program and um that's really all i got coach uh so yeah thanks for listening i think it's perfect
and then I will open the floor to um, any questions or comments or yeah, I know how we do. Coach Price. Um, Joel, Coach Harrison, I, um, I work at North Florida Christian in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, before we came here, we were in a public school. My husband and I, my husband's a football coach and I coach basketball. Um, I didn't want to come to a Christian school because I felt like God was using us in the public school setting that we were at. But ultimately, God led us here. And because um, I just thought that those that kids in a Christian school didn't need anybody and didn't need me for sure. Um, but I, I wasn't here very long before I realized that even good kids need Jesus. Sure. So, you know, God really laid it on my heart that like I've brought you here to this spot for these type of kids and these kids because they need to know me. So just to encourage you and what you do, I know you probably work with good kids, um, but just keep doing what you're doing because good kids need Jesus. Well, I agree because, like I said, that's a common misconception that at a Christian school, everybody is Christian and perfect, and that couldn't be further from the truth. And, uh, you know, I went there as a student, and I'm coaching there now. We literally have kids from all walks of life. I mean, we've got Muslims. We've got people that don't believe at all. We've got all different denominations and I mean, like you said, good kids need Jesus too, and our kids are good, but they're not perfect. So um, it's it's up to us, you know, to be a light to them, you know, even though they might have a spiritual base, but uh, just to continue to grow them. And ultimately, they're an encouragement to us as well. So um, I agree with you, and I appreciate that. Hey, Joe, uh, appreciate the message. As always, you guys do a great job. Um, I personally thought today's devotional was probably the one that hit me the most. Um, of course, we all try to pray for our players and you know, gave us some nuggets on how to do that, and that was good. But you know, today, reading about just you know not tying your love for a player to their success, um, I think you hit it on the head in the beginning. Uh, in today's time in society, especially with the win now kind of mindset that everyone's on. I mean, I don't care if you're at the college level, high school level, um, AAU level, whatever. I mean. Now more than ever, even at our level, they're firing coaches after one year, you know, two years. And so it places a lot more of an omen on us to kind of keep that in perspective that, you know, you're quick to throw away the guy or the, or the female that doesn't give you the best chance to win, quote, unquote. Um, they're not able to you know, score 20 points or, you know, cover the best receiver or whatever it is. You know, you don't give them as much attention and energy as you give the, the star players. And For so sure. I thought today's devotional really touched me in a, in a way because um, that's just something that I always try to, you know, remind myself of and my coaches that, you know, you got to love them all. Yeah. And, and like I tell my players, everyone has a role. And I think that's important that we make them understand that everyone on the team has a role. And so when they understand that and you clearly define that role, then it allows you to love them all the same. You know, because, again, now you're not tying there. You may get more energy to one because if you got a player who obviously needs a, a little more stern coaching love, you may give them yep. more energy, but everyone knows their place within the program and now that allows me to give ample time to every person, you know, whether they're a starter, scout team player. So what I try to do and make it a point to do, I know football is a little different, is always recognize the scout team. More so than the starters, more so than anybody. I'm going to, if the scout team player, we give out a scout team player of the week, we let our scout team guys travel with the team. Um, you know, so we try to recognize those guys that are doing the grunt work, so to speak, you know, just so they understand that we do care about them, that we do value their contribution to the team, um, and that we value them as people as well. So I thought today's uh, devotion really touched me just because it does, again, reaffirms that the why. We keep talking about that why. 
And that's why we do it. It's not to win, per se, on the field or on the court. Um, it's to change lives. And we need to change the lives of the worst player on the team just as much as we need to change the life of the best player on the team. So um, I thought today's devotion was very powerful. For sure. I appreciate that, Coach. And just to piggyback on that, like, I actually have, like, written on my board in my office, like, what's your why? And, like, I look at that every day, like, when I open my office because I, I never want to lose sight of that because I feel like the second that you lose sight of that, then, I mean, you ultimately probably need to get out of it because, I mean, like you said, we're here to change lives. And, I mean, these kids need positive role models in today more than really ever because, um, you know, I'm not much older than them, but I, I remember how it was growing up when the people that I looked up to and, and my coaches, and I always felt like ultimately if I could be that for somebody else, then, you know, I would – you know, they bless me just as much as I hope I'm able to bless them. So um, that's important just to remember that. What's your why? And I, I try to do that every day. Hey, guys. Uh, apologize for – can you guys hear me? Yeah, apologize for jumping on late. Um, just finished the coaches' clinic. But, um, yeah, I think this was phenomenal today, and I think it hit home. Um you know, the one thing that really hit home for me was explaining why you did what you did. Um, and I, I think sometimes, you know, you go from being an old school coach, uh, who was just like, because I said so, you know, and being a newer age coach. And when I say newer age coach, for me, the, the shift happened after having a child. And I realized that I had to approach things just a lot differently. Um, but I also wanted to piggyback on that. And even though you explain what you did as you did as a coach, um, as coaches, we talked about this yesterday, how we put so much pressure on our back and we carry the weight of the world. Um, sometimes if they don't get it, that doesn't mean you didn't do your job. And I just want to say that as well. There's just going to be some kids who are going to beat their heads against the wall. And it's just going to take them a lot longer than others to figure it out. Some learn the easy way, some learn the hard way. Um, but if you just continue to explain to kids that need it, um, I think eventually you're going to permeate and get through. So that, that really hit home um, for me. And um, I really appreciate you guys. This was a word after getting a lot of the questions that I got in the, in the coaches clinic. And I'm realizing that a lot more coaches need this uh, way beyond what I thought. So that blessed me today. And I want to thank you for that. Hey, uh, Coach Harrison, Coach Jarvis Mitchell, uh, Detroit, Michigan. I wanted to ask you about, um, in, your, in your talk, you mentioned about not having a female on the staff. Uh, with me, I know that's a big part of recruiting, especially with young women. I know a lot of parents are very concerned. Have you ran into a snag like that before? Or when you're recruiting someone's child, has that been a raise of concern by a parent? Um. In our situation, it never really has been, uh, surprisingly. Um, we've got a pretty – like, our program is only 10 years old, so we're still pretty new. And But it just in our area, like, we have a really good reputation for just kind of like the way we do things and how we operate. And um, um, I think there's – like, we he has had females on the staff uh, in previous years. We just don't have one, like, at this moment. Um, but that's never really come up as, like, a, a concern because I think ultimately, like, we, when we're recruiting a player, like, we emphasize to the parents, like, you know, if your, you know, daughter comes here, they're going to be taken care of. I mean, we're going to go out of our way to look after them. Like, I know, like, two years ago, I got a call at, you know, in the middle of the night, one of our girls was headed back home to campus, 
and she had like gotten a wreck. She got, got hit by 18 wheeler. And like, I, you know, get up sprint. I'm, you know, flying up the highway to go get her and stuff like that. So like, I mean, we tell them like, you know, we'll do anything we can to like take care of them. And I think just through our talks and interaction and that if once they're able to feel that and once we're able to sell that to them and let them know that that's for real, I mean, our, our parents are 100% on board and that's never really been an issue, so. But it does hey, make it challenging when they come to me for female issues because I'm like, I'm not a girl, so I don't know. <laughs> hey, Coach uh, Jarvis, my dad actually um, was a great point of reference for that. He coached men's basketball at the high school level in Wisconsin for 25 years. And then his last 10 years, he coached women. Um, and he was only allowed, he really didn't have a full-time assistant. So the JV coach obviously would pop over, you know, to be the varsity assistant. Um, and then I ended up working with my dad. That was my first coaching job. And he had some ground rules that he would pass out to the parents um, to um, make sure that their hearts and their mind were at ease. So before, um, sometimes I would get to the locker room or another assistant, he had a team mother that traveled with the team, um, always went into the locker room first kind of deal um, for fittings, all the female things that were needed that he never had to have his hands on. Um, like perfect example, I know this sounds crazy and weird, but collegiately, I never order white spandex. I don't order white spandex because when you do pool workouts, I never want to put my male assistants in a position. Um, that's not okay. My male assistants will never do room checks on the road. That's sometimes the modifications that I make. Um, my dad would always make sure that a female would go in the locker room first before he could come in and talk. That's even at halftime speeches, pregame and postgame speeches. Um, and so just little modifications like that. I learned a lot of stuff from him. Um, you are in a, predic a different predicament when you are a male coach that is running a bunch of females. Um, and it's very important to a lot of girls who you have, I know that are single moms who are overly protective um, of their daughters that you have to find a way. So my suggestion to you would, um, having a team mother that you know is always gonna do the female thing first, even if you don't have a female assistant, because um, liability is real in what we do, everybody. That's just the reality of it, um, to protect yourself. So I hope that helps a little bit. And just to piggyback on that, so like, we don't have like a female assistant, but we do have like female managers. So like, if we need something, you know, in the locker room and they're changing, we'll be like, hey, you know, go in, let us know when they're ready, this and that. So, like, we do take those precautions. Obviously, when we have meetings, you know, we never do the closed door thing. We always either have a witness or a window open or something just to, like, you know, really cover our backs and make sure that, you know, the young lady feels comfortable as well because we never want to put them in a situation where they feel uncomfortable and uh, really are, put ourselves in a situation where things can be perceived that aren't like, the case. So, uh, we definitely go out of our way to kind of uh, make those adjustments and uh, stay out of those situations. So we have a player on the team that really only sees her self-worth as um, how many points she scores a game. And she really sees that if she doesn't score, then she's not like helping the team. She doesn't see herself as being successful. And we really just try to preach to them that everyone has a role on the team, but I could open this to like any of the coaches. How would you guys um, encourage her, even when you are telling her like, you don't have to score to be successful, like everyone has their role on the team, but she really just struggles with seeing her self-worth as how many points she scores.
I'm, I'm gonna let y'all basketball coaches handle that because I was always taught if uh, they wanted you to pass it, they would put laces on the ball. So, <laughs> Jess, it's Kendra. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Okay. Sorry, we have Doc McStuffins in the background too. So, um, what I do a lot of times is I bring that person in individually and I kind of talk to them, and basically, I talk to them and try to poke holes in their story, like okay, so she thinks that she basically is only contributing if she's making however many points. So you just kind of talk to her and I'd be like, okay, so if you didn't make that many points, then you're not a part of the team or you're not contributing and you're not good. Is that what that means? Like, is that what you're basing you being good off of? And a lot of times they go, well, no, that doesn't mean I'm not good or I'm not a good player. Okay, so what makes you a good player? Or what makes you a part of this team? And then they start thinking about different things. And you kind of have to just ask questions where they start thinking about, okay, well, what makes me valuable to this team? Is it that you only score that many points? And a lot of times they're not going to just go there. Immediately they'll say that or they'll say, I don't know. Don't let them answer, I don't know. Because they do. And if you make them, if I don't know is an answer, if I don't know is not an option, or if 20 points isn't an option, if you couldn't score a single point, what would make you valuable to this team? What, what else could you do? And then they start thinking about different things, and then they stop putting that first. It'll still be in their mind because, um, like Coach Joel said, is they just naturally see it. They see it on the social media. They see this. They see how many points people are doing. And, and I mean, stats are – only those kind of offensive things you don't really highlight the hard work you don't really highlight who's hustling for the extra balls so that's one of those things that you just have to ask good questions and if you start asking good questions they'll start asking themselves good questions and it'll start getting their mind thinking i hope that helps i know like i've been presented with that question a few times well, I, with that situation, I should say a few times. It'll save my life. I will say that. Um, I'm a statistic-based coach. So if you want to put up 30-odd points a game and you think you're being efficient in helping your team, let me show you by facts that you're not. Um, and I also like to, and I do, I crunch a lot of ridiculous facts that have nothing to do with anything typically, but the games that you took this many shots, the games that you had this many assists, the games that you got this many 50-50 balls, the games that we had a kill, which for us is three charges or three consecutive stops, and we had seven charges in a game, and you were a part of at least two, we win. So I go with facts. I go on pure statistics that are cannot be disputed um, because a lot of times our key players are one or two extremes. They are extremely boisterous, emotional, and the team leader or they are completely quiet you're having to show them how to talk and lead versus just show and do and so um that's why we created the huge big board that we have it's a nine foot by six foot board um that's in our locker room and it has every tangible and non-tangible and if you are that go-to player for me on my squad if you don't have at least one of those non-tangible statistics it's not a win for you because most of those kids are getting a shot to look at the next level in some capacity, whether that's, you know, JUCO to Division One, high major, mid-major, playing overseas, whatever the case may be. And for all those people that, you know, played it at a higher level, you and I both know stats are going to keep you a job, but people got to like you to keep paying you. So um, I think that helped with me. I just take it flat to statistics. So you can say all you want to say to me, but stats simply don't lie. 
Yeah, I was going to say, too, like, I, I agree, because we go to stats and film, like, real quick, because, like Coach said, stats don't lie. But the second thing I think, I mean, I, I'll just straight up ask him, okay, what's more important to you? Do you want to, you know, if, if you score 30 points a game and we're 2-29 and 29 or whatever, versus, you know, maybe you score 15 points a game and we're, you know, 30-1, and one, like, ultimately, do you want to win or you just, just want to pat stats? Like, and I think that kind of gets the wheels turning and it's like, okay, well, if I want to win, then maybe I might have to do a little less. And if that contributes to, you know, the greater good of the team, then it, it might not come to that conclusion initially. But through time, I've found just in our kids' sake that it, eventually they come around because they're like, well, I do want to win. So maybe maybe scoring 30 a game is not as important as I thought. So that's just in, kind of something I've noticed in, in my situation. All right, Coach Chandler, I see you wanted to share something. Oh, yes. I would just like to piggyback on what all the other coaches just shared. Really just highlight all those other areas, I just say, that, you know, you can do outside of scoring. So once they see you giving praise to those other guys for taking charges, you know, for getting over and help side, for doing all the other things or intangibles that help you win games, then they'll start taking that in more consideration and want some praise on that end of the spectrum as well. Um, and I think that would help benefit, you know, and change that player's ideology eventually to say, yeah, I can do more than just score points to, you know, be a part of my team or be effective on the floor. Because, um, you know, a player has to be more well-rounded than just scoring or having a scoring mentality to really benefit the program. So. Um, I think if that happens, too, that would help them be more of a leader. Um, I know one of the things that we'll do is um, each season we'll ask them to read the parable of the talents, and then we ask them to tell us what do you think it means, just individually, um, because a lot of times players do. They're, they feel that no matter – depends on whoever coached them growing up or like Coach Harrison said, the young lady with the dad. Sometimes they have tunnel vision based off of what the foundation layers tell them that they're supposed to be, right? And that's athleticism or in every aspect or facet of their lives. So we ask them, okay, what do you think these talents are? And so for a player just like maybe one of yours who feels that scoring is just my talent, then we try to reaffirm one of those words we've been talking about the past couple of days. Okay, so talk to me about the game on Tuesday when the score was, you know, we were up by one and you stopped, you know, their leading score and we won the game. Is that not highlighted? Did that not showcase your defense? Or you took two charges, like Coach Kern said um, the other day, and those turnovers helped us to basically take a six-point lead. And those are the things that sometimes they just don't know, you know, and, and that comes from, like I said, how the foundation is laid. So when we talk to them about talents and the fact that they have multiple and everybody's is different because there's no way I could have somebody on the team where everybody just wants to be an offensive player, offensive star, we wouldn't win anything because whereas we may put up 70 points, we're going to give up a hundred. Um, and, and that has kind of helped not only them find their way basketball wise or whatever sport you coach, but as women, you know, a lot of them have, over the years have found themselves and, 
you know, on senior night, some of them showcase things I never knew that they found in themselves based off of that, um, you know, which a couple of coaches on here can, you know, just kind of attest to. And it's just amazing to see, you know, well, coach, I didn't know my self-worth was very low and I found this out about myself. I didn't know that I could be a leader. I didn't know that I could be a speaker, but over the years that you made me look at that, I found that. And so that's kind of been helpful for us in our program. Anybody else have anything on anything? Okay. Well, Coach Harrison, um, that was amazing, man. Like, I, I really tried to just kind of highlight, you know, from Coach Simmons and Coach Kern and Coach Aaron and now down to you. And, again, you, you, you again, have woven into each preceding day. And one of the things that I love that you highlighted, especially – the the audience that we reach is that unfortunately like I just said sometimes these young ladies come to us so 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 battered and torn and no one has ever built them up no one has ever lifted them and it's it's amazing that they've even made it to that point especially for you collegiate coaches who saw something in them to recruit them but there's so many people they've probably had more losses in terms of how they're verbally spoken to than wins and so when you pointed out that it's, it's, we have to make sure that we build them up and be authentic um, in, in our speak with them and praise the person that's the end of the bench as we do the star, I think that was valuable because sometimes I'll find myself, you do, it's a big game and you're preparing with your starting lineup. But then how often did I pay attention to, as Coach Sims says, my scout team? So sometimes I'll tell my coach, you know, one of my past coaches and one of my coaches on here now, I'll say, Y'all take the starters. Uh-uh, I'm going with team two. We win in a day. And just try to let them know, like, hey, yo, y'all can be team one. I want y'all to, so then I can kind of plug you all in. And I really love how you showcase that, especially for women. You know, I'm not a man. You know, I, I, I mentor young men, and I've helped coach young men and train young men. But one thing I do know for sure is in building young women and them becoming women, you're right. The, the image that's paged out there on social media kind of shows – this is what the woman is supposed to be. And they're confused. And if you don't pour into that and you don't reach that and you just care about wins and losses, as we talked about, the young lady will continue to be lost. So I, I love how you highlighted that. And I thank you so much for this message, man, because I really got a lot out of it. And I'm just so thankful for your gift. Um, as a alum, I teach and coach where I went to school. Um, I really do tip my hat off to you because I know that that it, it, that definitely helps. You know, what they see is what they'll be. And so they see you actually proof it helps. So I thank you so much. And um, at this point, I'll let you kind of say your final words and close us out. Uh, I mean, just want to go back. Like I said, I, I appreciate, you know, just the opportunity to, uh, you know, speak on this. And uh, I hope you guys were able to get something from it. It sounds like everybody was at least able to get a little something. So that's encouraging for me, uh, I guess, as being one of the youngest ones on here. So um, that's a huge encouragement for me, and I just appreciate you guys listening. And, um, you know, let's keep this thing going. This is awesome, and I, I really enjoyed it. So let's keep this going. You mind closing us out with a prayer, Coach? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's pray. Uh, God, I just thank you for this time that we're able to uh, set aside to, you know, just come together as coaches and, you know, just to learn uh, more about, each other and just our profession in the coaching world and uh, learn more about you. Lord, as we go out 
um, through the rest of our day. Just help us to be a light and example to everyone that we come in contact with and help us to never lose sight of our why and why we were called to do what we do and help us to always live out that vision uh, every day in our profession. And Lord, I just thank you so much for uh, giving your son to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I just thank you for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.